0: you know no better you know better and you know no better and you know no better, you know, better, better I don't know I don't know
1: I, know. I don't know I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Don't Butcher It, an intersectional self-help podcast for the underdog. This episode is very special because
0: I have a very special guest with me. My mom. Hi, I'm Rajni. I guess I'm referred to as she and her.
1: I brought mom on because she's basically the reason I'm able to have a self-help podcast in the first place because she's the one who's been giving me advice and pep talks, motivational speeches, challenging questions, reality checks all throughout my life. And the truth is, my mom has seen some shit. Um, And today she's going to share her wisdom. So mom, can you talk a little bit about your earliest years in the US up until having me? How do I begin? I got married. And tell everyone how you got married and how you met my dad.
0: Oh, um, it was arranged. Hmm. I was in India. I happened to be uh, pursuing uh, like a diploma after graduation a diploma in interior design and I was also applying to um, schools abroad I wanted to study ballet and and then this proposal came my father met someone at a business meeting and that someone happened to be uh, Upasana's dad's uncle and it just it just was a whirlwind they got together, they spoke. He said, I have a nephew in Chicago. And my dad said, I have, my daughter's here and she'll be coming to America. And he said, perfect, let's get them together. And in a matter of two months, I'm married. The norms of being an Indian bride is uh, acclimating to the family. I was married to uh, a person who lived in a joint family system, which I was unfamiliar with because I come from a nuclear family. It was my mom and dad and my brother and I. And we were raised to be individuals that made certain decisions for ourselves. However, in this aspect, I didn't have any say in this matter. You know, I just went with the flow and was hoping that and praying that the so-called alliance is going to work out. I auditioned for the Jeffrey Ballet and I was a student there and I was teaching. The kindergarten age, actually. I was on a scholarship, so I was teaching the kindergarten age there. I was there for a year. The following year, I started my undergrad degree. Life just took a different turn. Uh, One fine day, I find myself pregnant. And then another day, I'm separated and divorced with a, with a two-month-old baby. It just, you know, just life happened.
1: Mom, we've talked a lot about Indian, the Indian community. And not, I don't mean the Indian community in India, but like the Indian community in America. You were a single mother and an Indian immigrant. Can you talk more about how being a single mother impacted your relationship with other Indians? in America and in India? Also, like, what were the stigmas? Like, what were people saying about you? What were they thinking about you? What was their perception of you?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. But basically, I felt very, uh, I felt outed. I felt like I was the pariah, the rebel. Um, It's unacceptable, first of all, to stand up and say this, I've had enough. I'm leaving. I can't take it anymore. I guess the whole cultural aspects comes into play being raised as a girl in India, you're not really supposed to speak up. You're you're just supposed to keep doing and never raise your head and 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 say no. I'm not going to accept this. No, this is wrong. So for me to actually suddenly just stand up and say what am I doing here? Why am I in this? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to let the entire world decide what my life should be? So basically, the the, the society that I was moving in, uh, in Chicago, because my husband, uh, at that point, Upasana's father, uh, his family and him, uh, they moved in a big circle of... Um, very influential people. and Indian capitalists. <laughs> and also because um, you act civil, you go to those Indian get togethers, you talk, you eat, you have these civil conversations with people and you go home. So they never really knew who I really was. And then one fine day, they find out that I'm this girl you know all of a sudden this girl gets up and says she's going to get a divorce they're all shocked so everyone's first first of all it's a shock for them leave alone the fact that i am going through so many emotions of what am i going to do who am i going to be how am i going to raise this baby i i felt like i had no one on my side i i i felt like i was fighting a battle against the rest of the world and it's a question of survival and it's a question of okay i i have to beat the odds because um divorce in itself is a taboo it's a huge taboo in our society women get abused beaten um burnt alive by their in-laws and no one even raises a question about why is that happening and how can it even happen i was in in the eyes of everyone else i wasn't getting beaten i wasn't getting harassed by my in-laws so why did i get up and leave so there was a lot of gossip some of them felt i guess the word would be curious it's almost like a morbid curiosity about the pain that i'm going through you know just wondering what was the drama behind it because you know the gossip is gossip always brings in drama as well right so uh, people love that and people thrive thrive on that sort of uh, conversation here i am uh, i have walked out and i'm on my own i have lost touch with all the people that i surrounded myself with people that i didn't want to surround myself with but i was just there because i was forced into it i had to live this uh, civil life with my husband, being civil to everybody. There were no friendships nurtured. Um, I was just going about just being, you know. There was no real living happening. It was hard because my in-laws felt, felt like uh, I had slapped them on their faces. And nobody knows what I was going through on the inside um, because I always appeared as a person who was just very happy and... Um, Never really um, showed how miserable I was. I mean, I was hiding it. I was um, very good at concealing what was going on inside my head. But yeah, I just felt very, very excluded. One time I went to the temple and Upasana was in the stroller and my mother was with me. And all the people that I saw at the temple uh looked at me they had, i had met them at parties i had conversations with them i went over to their houses they came over and ate food that i cooked but yet they did not even come up to me and ask me if i'm okay or how am i really doing i think there was this sense of uh, curiosity on their faces but at the same time they were like why do we need to bother with that she's she has decided to walk out of this life and um you know what, let her deal with her bullshit. Um, she obviously deserves it. It it almost felt like maybe it's sort of like stirred emotions in them. Are they, are they happy with their lives? And I think they were uncomfortable with that idea. They were really uncomfortable with the idea that maybe their lives were not perfect. And maybe, you know what, do I need to put up with this uh, man treating me like I'm not his equal? Do I need to put up with... Control. I think I I made it. I made the atmosphere very uncomfortable for a lot of Indians. But you know, uh, I had no time. I just had no time. I, I had to survive. My only question was, how am I going to make money? How am I going to raise this child? And um, how am I going to give her the quality life that she deserves? Because now that I brought her out into this world. And now that I have decided that I am going to walk out of a so called, in appearance, a stable family, it really isn't stable. How do I give a stability? And what is a family structure supposed to look like? Because all of that uh, foundation that I had, the so called foundation that I had, was not really a foundation, it was very weak and it all crumbled. So now I had to build myself up from ground up and build a strong foundation for me and for my daughter. Thank you for sharing all that. Wait, can you
1: tell everyone how old you were when you divorced my da- when you married my dad
0: and then when you divorced him? We were legally separated at 27 and officially divorced at 30. Living with my dad's
1: family was not easy and yet people perceived you as like making the wrong decision because like why would she leave that family they have money they have clout you know my dad's handsome like all these they have a business like all these on surface level things and of course the money aspect was the only thing they could really focus on when in reality your life at home with my dad and his family wasn't Wasn't good. Um, If you could just like describe what living with my dad's family was like,
0: what would that word be? I think I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time. And um, on top of that, I thought I would crumble any second. I thought that's how it's supposed to be. What um, appears to be uh, abnormal to others was normal to me. I guess it, it, it felt every day, I felt it was, a, it, was a, it was sort of like a constant prick. You're like being pricked every day. And then that pain, the pricking pay, pain starts numbing you after a while and you get numb. Yeah. And, and you walk around every day in this numb state. You know it's wrong, but it's but you're numbed out you're just numbed out
1: and apart from his family, could you if you're okay comfortable, could you talk about like why you divorced my dad?
0: You didn't know he had bipolar disorder when you married him, right? no, I did not um first of all, I had no clue what bipolar disorder was. I mean, I think I had enough knowledge about in having studied psychology but i don't think i maybe i was a part of me just didn't believe that my husband could have such a, a serious illness and a chemical imbalance in his body first of all when i when i did get married to him our families didn't did not even discuss this i on the other hand was not financially independent um i depended on him i was going to school and i wasn't allowed to have a real job My job was just to go to school and be home.
1: Be home and do what?
0: Cook, clean. We had a cleaning person, but on top of her cleaning, I was supposed to be cleaning and cooking. I dropped out of ballet uh, two years before that because I had a major viral infection, a very rare one, for which I was hospitalized for about a month. And from then on, it just went downhill. My life went downhill. Um, All I could focus was on school and, uh, you know, just being a housewife. Uh, And then that's when I seriously was starting to notice there's something fundamentally wrong with my husband. I was just trying to survive. I didn't even think of the emotional aspects of what it was really doing to me. Now, when I look back, yeah, that was major abuse. On top of the fact that, Uh, He suffered from bipolar disorder. But then I felt this sort of empathy for him. He had a schizophrenic uh, episode. And that's when reality really struck me. And that's when I had a conversation with his, your grandfather at that time, when he was alive, saying, why have you not told me about this? And why, why are we trying to hide something like this just because he has a mental illness does not give you the reason to hide that fact you're supposed to support him and you're supposed to help him through it i had to do my own research i had to call my aunt who's a doctor in la and ask her what is this medicine he takes because he claims it's it's vitamin. and i obviously was naive enough to believe that because i wanted to believe what i wanted to believe Mm -hmm. i wanted to believe that you know what I've got it this good. It is normal. It's perfectly fine. Everything is perfectly fine. I don't know how to deal with a person who's got this mental illness. And I'm not equipped. Neither do I have the support system to help me support him. Is this the life I'd want for myself or for my child? And I think that's when I actually woke up. People
1: in my generation... And I I think this is for the best, obviously, like we have this vocabulary to talk about our mental health and to destigmatize mental illness. But
0: back then you didn't really have any of that for yourself or for him. Obviously, if if I had not married him, I would never have had Upasana. So I'm never going to regret that and I'm never going to look back and say, I wish that never happened or I wish I never got married to him or I wish all those awful things didn't happen. Because if I didn't go through that, I would not be where I am and I wouldn't know the baby and the girl that I gave birth to that has grown up to be this girl that I know now.
1: The fact that like, yes, I am always trying to be the best version of myself, whatever that means. And I think most people are trying to do that especially you. You go to therapy, you meditate, you journal, and I'd say our relationship as mother and daughter has changed so much over the years and has evolved so much. Like, when we were in India, like, I was so attached to you. I was so, like, like, you would, sometimes you would, like, go spend time with your friends and I would just cry, and then
0: I went to college, and then I started learning what trauma was, and then I got angry at you. I was a young mother. I did not know how to raise a child. I did the best I could. I I did the best I could based on my experience. Instinctively, I knew what was right and what was wrong and what was appropriate and what wasn't. Um, but I always raised, raised you to know that you are strong and you can be independent and you can support yourself. You do not need anyone to support you um, because um, you're quite capable of supporting yourself. Uh, You don't need a man or a woman or anyone else to support you because we are brought on this earth for a purpose and we have to live up to that potential. We all have a potential that we can reach. And some of us struggle along the way. The relationship is always a bonus. It's never it's never uh, the ultimate thing. It is a bonus on top of being yourself and finding yourself. And I was finding myself. And I would hope that my opasana does the same thing. You, You've
1: been through so much. And we've been through so much together. And like while I was in college, like, I was so angry at you all the time, didn't understand that I was just not I wasn't valuing our relationship in the way I should have because I was constantly comparing it to like the nuclear family I was so used to seeing around me. Um, And like, despite all that, we're here now and we've sort of returned to that place we were at when we were in India together before high school with the added benefit of me being an adult. Mm -hmm. So we can like talk about things for real now. (laughs) But a lot of the uh, I think the biggest reason why we're able to be here now is is because of you. Like you have done so much reflection and you've committed yourself to to healing And you're 51 years old like most people I feel like give up at a certain and They're like oh this is how I am like I don't need to process anything like I'm just going to stay like this for the rest of my life even if it's not even if certain aspects of how I'm talking to myself or interacting with the world around me isn't benefiting me. But you're not like that you're someone who's committed to growing and I just want to know why like why do you feel it's important to keep growing and evolving.
0: You know, certain weaknesses um, can be overcome and certain cannot be. But at the same time, it's important to know both of those and it's important to know how you can overcome some of it. And the only reason is because you want to have a good relationship with everyone around you um, your husband, your child, your parents, uh, your siblings and your small community of friends i want to be a better communicator if i don't like something i'm going to speak up if i like something that too i'm going to speak up and um not being un- uncomfortable to say no when something's not right and for that you have to keep learning about more and more about yourself and learning to know uh, what is your threshold of what you can let go of and what you can hold on to and what you can handle and what you cannot handle. And for that, you have to keep keep on at it. You have to keep pushing yourself, um, saying, I can be better than this. Because at the end of the day, when I take my last breath, the only thing I'm going to think about is, what was my relationship like with my children and with my husband and with my most important people in my life? Was I was i um, a more understanding person was i more reflective um did i show them the love that they deserve uh, did i show myself the love that I, that I deserve was i happy was i able to feel content at times and just sit there feeling content or or um or even appreciate every single day as it comes um, those are the things that we think about when we die. We don't think about all the wealth we've, you know, amassed or, or all the guilty pleasures that we've uh, taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. We, we, we think only about our relationships. Relationships is the one thing that constantly makes this world go round. I think what you said about, you know,
1: growing and evolving as a person is not just for you, but it's also just so you can have better relationships with those around you what is one thing you learned this past year through the pandemic the start of it till now that has changed or shifted a perspective of yours like you thought something was like this and then you know you know maybe you had a new realization and you realized it was something else um and what exactly
0: was that perspective and how 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 was it changed Natural disasters as such as this in a colossal size can hit us. Therefore, what do we need to do? Just live today and not think about tomorrow and day after and the one after. Because if I don't live today, tomorrow I could be hit by a bus and uh, I wouldn't have lived the day before the way I wanted to. So I'm always going to learn that every day I take it as it comes with gratitude. And with compassion for myself and for compassion for others. And also laugh at silly shit <laughs> that happens all the time.
1: Yeah, we're, we're always laughing at silly shit. <laughs> Enjoying the, like, how minuscule this all is. And mundane too it can be. And how mundane it is and how funny that is. But also, like, it's like nothing matters, but because of that, everything matters you choose what matters. And I think because of that, thinking about it like that just empowers you to live in the moment and to enjoy life and to not take it too seriously, but to take it seriously enough to where you can survive. Thank you, mommy. You're welcome. This was so good. I'm glad that I wasn't sobbing on the mic, although I'm very close to doing so. And... Thank you for coming on this podcast and being vulnerable and honest and sharing your wisdom with everyone because I'm just so lucky to have you. I know anyone would die to have a mom like you. You're just, you're awesome.
0: Feeling is mutual.
1: (laughs) Bye everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.